Jeff, did you know the Guardians did not create the new Threads app? Funny, they, because I, they've, been, they've been trying to thread the needle for years. you think they would have created the Threads app. Uh, Guardians have the MLB draft coming up on Sunday, and they're going to try to draft some players that are good while they're trying to win at the big league level, something they continue to try to do for years without picking high in the draft. We're going to get into all of that on today's Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWN for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Hey, Guardian tickets are kind of in uh, short supply. Hot ticket item this year. Maybe you need it for that. My, I'm, I'm very nervous. I'm going to say with this show recording, I'm just going to put this out on front street right now. For some reason, StreamYard is being extra demanding tonight. So we're going to see how this goes. Hopefully, we don't have a bunch of droppings. I don't have anything running in the background, but we'll see. I'm going to even close my game. Uh, so I can't. Hey, and I just gained a bar back. So we'll see. <laughs> Apparently, I cannot even know what's happening. Uh, the Guardians currently, I think, lead 3-1 in the... What inning are we in? Is it the seventh? Whatever inning it is. It's the, the, the Guardians are leading. still. <laughs> bottom six. I'm just wishing it was the seventh. I uh, want to get this one as a win because for a long time, it did not look like they were going to win as they struggled against Jordan Lyles. I believe by most pitching metrics, the worst pitcher in baseball. Yeah. His ERA tonight after his phenomenal outing against the guardians is six forty-two, five strikeouts, not a single walk, six hits in one run. That is, and even worse, only three hard hit balls tonight off of him. And one was DeAndre Sinez yeah. run, obviously, but, the yeah. worst FIP in baseball at 560. Number two, Martin Perez at 533. That's the gap we're talking about here. It is such a wide gap between those two uh, for worst and second worst. And in terms of walk rate, hey, his is only 295, but he only strikes out six. Uh, so he's got a strikeout rate around uh, Shane Bieber's. His fastball this year, my God, it's his fastball actually been good. He has a sweeper that has a, a 484 slug and a sinker at 547 slug. His changeup hitters have a 704 slug. His cutter hitters have a 900 slug. So he has two pitches that don't get obliterated, his fastball and his curveball. And what did he throw in this game mostly? It looks like probably fastballs and curveballs. By the way, they, the, uh, yeah, go ahead. He threw fastball. He was a two-pitch pitcher, and uh, they didn't swing and miss by any means. They only swung and missed five times against him, and three were against his god-awful changeup. But uh, – yeah, not not, a, the, not what uh, you want to see. Well, he is the uh, you know the has the uh, I said the worst FIP in baseball, twenty fifth worst FIP in baseball. Our friend Shane Bieber, twenty second worst FIP in baseball. Our friend Corbin Burns. Uh, the nice thing is, you know, seventeenth worst uh, predictive stat for pitchers. Brady Singer, who we still are yet to face this week. And Zach Greinke is eighth worst, but he is going to the DL. Cleveland had its own DL issue. And uh, I, I do have to point out one other thing in terms of DLs. Uh, for some reason, and speaking of crappy internet, my phone wouldn't let me text you the JC Mejia back to the big leagues today. I thought that was a... Oh, he was trying what? to... He saw David Fry having all that fun. He didn't want to miss out. Yeah. He got himself back up to the majors. Got himself back up. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, we should we 
know, this game's still ongoing. Three home runs. You know, they the same problem we talked about in uh, you know the last game against Atlanta, getting two guys on and not being able to get it across. Still annoyed. Um, listen, Miles Straw is struggling enough. He doesn't need the umpire to call a terrible strike three call on him. Uh, he doesn't need <laughs> to be handcuffed at all. Uh, rough night. My other thought is a rough night for Bo Naylor so far with the three stolen bases, the pass ball, and the continued offensive struggles. Uh, those are kind of my big takeaways as well as the home runs. We had three of them. That's that's all you'll get for a week typically. I know. Hitting three, three solo home runs in one game is pretty impressive, I would say. Um, yeah. <laughs> when Tito said that week about the, the Braves, about how they hit the ball further than us, so there's made, they made it count more on their hits and – the Guardians did, obviously, against the Mayor Garrett, which is good. Yeah, I definitely agree. Bo Naylor, you know, part of the growing pains. He's had a couple of good defensive plays since he's been up last week against the Royals. And tonight against the Royals, he uh, struggled a little bit. And and you're going to get the peaks and valleys. He's a young player who still has uh, some yeah. finishing touches he needs on his defense. And I think a lot of people thought he was going to come up and just murder baseballs and be a drastic improvement. And uh, you know, I think well, been... that's not to say he hasn't been okay. The quality of yeah. his at bats, I would say, are much better than Zanino, yes. But I think people expected more, and it's just you got to understand it's a hard position to play, it's hard to transition to the big leagues. I am not, yeah, saying that he is he's not going to get significantly better. Uh, but you can go and look at his own brother. I mean, it took Josh what four seasons to fully break through, so it's not always a, a distinct straight line, it's uh, harder at catcher, too. So, and it's you're much right. harder at catcher, so we'll have to see. But it's just, it's more the whole, like, everyone wants a knee-jerk reaction. And I think this is showing why, like, why teams don't have knee-jerk reactions. Right. Uh, to, you know, to go back, it's like the same thing with, like, why did they give, why did uh, Quantrell get his job back? He's been terrible. Again, you, you gotta look at the the wide span, not the short focus. And it turns out he was trying to come back. Well, still not 100% healthy. Why? Now, yes, it could be roster shenanigans. It could be. He- Either way, he was, you know, things didn't, I, I know, I'm, I know I'm, it's going to sound like I'm making excuses or people are, are going to disagree. Like he had a couple of bad, bad at bats in the first inning against the Braves. He had a couple of seeing eye singles. He really did. You look at the exit losses. They weren't hit that hard outside of the Rosario double in the first inning and the uh, Cunha line out to Jose the other night. After that, he was not, terrible so i agree it's probably a roster thing they they you know we talked about how tim heron's up against his pretty close to his uh, option limit for 2023 and they don't want to send curry down they can't afford to send sandlin down it made sense to make the move and who knows maybe he, he is it is still bothering him he didn't mention it in the post-game interview the other night i i, I people keep saying when are they going to make a change they've been the offense has been struggling all season long and there's been zero lineup change. So I don't think I know everyone, and everyone will point valid. To, everybody will think everybody will talk about the police act thing, but police act ran out of, out of rope on his chances because he had a less track record of success, except for 2020. And he had off field transgressions too, that did not help him. Or I should say, yeah, I guess it's off the field. The clubhouse is off the field. So, um, he had transgressions a, that did yeah, not he help. He was a knucklehead to the nth degree and seemed to get on people's nerves. Uh, so, yeah, he just ran out of chances. Cal Quantrill is, you know, the opposite of that. He's a good teammate and well-liked and, uh, you know, a good example for the younger guys, too. So, 
I don't think he's going anywhere. They, and, and quite frankly, they can't afford to do anything with him either. Like they don't have the depth. If you were to, for some strange reason, want to boot Cal Quantrill to the Blue Jays or whatever, send him back to Canada. I don't know. Uh, you you know you have zero depth. People you want to rely on three rookies who you had to send mm-hmm. down Logan Allen to get a breather, and then you're you're back to Hunter Gaddis and Joey Cantillo as your depth. That is not a place anybody wants. And, uh, to and that's, as we're speaking. That's, Bo Naylor with an RBI double gets off the snide oh, for him. So, good for him. You know, positive. I'm happy when a player makes me look stupid for, for not. Well, not neither one of us are doubting him. I know a lot of people tried to tell no. us we were getting on the bandwagon. We both have talked about how we like Bo Naylor. Which is our number one hitting prospect in the offseason. Most people had Valera there. We'll talk about him in segment two. We will. We'll get into that in just a minute. Yeah. We were not off the Bo Naylor bandwagon. We were just tempering expectations like I, we both agreed he'd be up at some point this year yeah we just didn't think he was quite ready yet uh he's just gonna finish his development I mean, yeah. they're all gonna finish their development at the big league level it's just with Bo, it's gonna take some time so yeah we can get into the valera thing here and then we're just gonna go full draft because why not that's the those are players that haven't disappointed anybody yet right that's why yeah, that's right now uh 5-1 end of the oh no it's still going i thought it was the end of, yeah, end of the sixth for Cleveland. Uh, so this game is getting put out of reach. Uh, so while we decide to record it, while it's happening, uh, I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> we have seen the bullpen implode, but does feel like put up a possible win? Well, they're up we by a break. They're up by four. You would like to think that they could avoid Class A in this one, but uh, yeah, stranger things have happened. So we'll see how that goes. We'll get into the end of the first half and the George Valera stuff uh, in the draft in just a second. Well, maybe you can find some all-star tickets on game time. The first half is almost over. Guardians tickets are a hot commodity. They were sold out Monday night, July 3rd. Uh, But you don't have to stress about buying tickets for any event when you use the game time app because they have flash deals and last-minute tickets. uh, Easy to find and buy for every kind of event in your area. And they have seat images of your view. I like that. When you get to go to any event, you want to know where you're sitting, what your section's in, what you're by. I always like knowing where I'm sitting. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Don't plan months in advance. Be spontaneous. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. So if you want to do something fun, just get tickets to the last minute. Uh, exclusive flash deals on all sporting events, comedy shows, concerts all summer long. And you'll always get the best price with the game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they're going to credit you 100%, 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, and use code Lockdown MLB. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem locked code Locked MLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Guardians and Royals, 7-10 Friday night. If you can't make it to the game or watch it on TV, listen on your SiriusXM app. Just search Guardians to hear all the action on the hometown broadcast. Well, Jeff, one player who will not be playing Friday for the Guardians or the Columbus Clippers uh, will be George Valera. He um, He's not going to probably play for a few, maybe a few weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to try to speculate too much on that because there's a lot of Twitter video going around right now. So if you didn't catch it, if you're not on Twitter, because, you know, why would you be? Because it's a a crap hole right now. 
there was an incident with him at home plate. He stole home. Or he tried to steal home early in the game or come home on, on something early in the game. And he and the catcher kind of had some words in his next at bat. It didn't look like George really particularly enjoyed whatever the catcher was telling him from Nashville, which is the Brewers AAA team. Uh, they started talking. The umpire stepped in to separate them and benches started to clear a little bit. And as the umpire was trying to hold George back, uh, away from the Nashville catcher. It looks like George was reaching, pushing towards the catcher and uh, instead bumped the, the umpire out of the way. I, I, I mean, some people are saying shoved. The video angle doesn't really give you a very clear view. So some people are saying he shoved him. Some are trying to say he just, you know, he bumped him. I don't know. Either way, he made contact with an umpire. Which is he a no-no. Had, yeah, he still had the bat in his hand, so... I, I can't imagine he's not going to be suspended for a couple of games. I mean, at the, at the least, I, I don't, I don't know how long a couple is. It won't be one and it probably won't be two. That's all I'll say. But I also don't want to speculate on what happened. Cause you don't know what that catcher said to him. So yeah, George Valera. That, and that's unfortunately, that's not what George needs either because he's missed so much time this year already. He can't stand Tim Anderson field. got three last year for it. So maybe it won't be weeks. Maybe it'll just be three games. Yeah, maybe it'll be a few games. I don't know. I'm sure they will collect all the information and make a decision. That's usually how it goes. I, I don't know. I don't know what was said. I mean, he wasn't the only one ejected, to be fair. I, I believe the I believe the catcher for Nashville was ejected. Both managers were ejected. So, yeah, it was a whole bench-clearing brawl. It wasn't very pretty and not what you want to see, and especially what you don't want to see for George Valera, who needs as many reps and times on the field as he can. At least he wasn't injured. I got a text to turn the, the game on. I didn't have that game on. I was watching – uh, the captain's game and doing some draft review. And uh, I got a text to turn the Columbus game on and I caught it towards the end. So really not a lot of you can draw from video and like anything else on social media, don't, don't believe people on social media because it's all second, third hand information. It's all people who were, who were there, all people who were, who were there at Len Barker's perfect game or that have contacts in the front office or whose uncle works for the, the guardians ticket office and his office is right next to Chris Antonetti. Like stop believing those people just don't. No, I agree. Those are the people we want to completely ignore and not deal with. It's totally a part of, unfortunately the process of everyone has a connection, even when there's not one to be found. I know we want to mock drafts. (laughs) So this is obviously a very last show before the end of the half. I will have it. I will do, you'll get a show from me on Sunday on your Monday morning feed, just on the Royal series, Jeff will handle the draft, but this will be our last show before the, the all-star break, the quote unquote first half. I know it's not the first half. And I, I still, Jeff, I have no idea where this team is going. I don't know. They don't seem to have a direction like, okay. So you were talking about them bringing Cal back or why did he get his job back? Or some people are asking why he got his rotation spot back. And a lot of it had to do with, giving Logan Allen a breather. He went down and pitched three innings, you know, just to stay on his normal turn and and not have to overwork himself down there. And and I think the guardians realize that there's really not much for him. He can do in the minors. It's going to help him in the majors at this point, other than consistency, because it's a lot easier to get triple a hitters out once you've gotten major league hitters out. So you're not going to, it's not going to help you to go deeper in a game in triple a because you already proved you can get major league hitters out. So I just don't know where this team is going. Like it's, it's fine that they're getting Logan Allen a break cause he needs it. And I would assume at some point Bybee and Williams are both going to be optioned down or something to give them a similar breather, which I get, I don't know how long they can afford to do it for, but I, 
I don't know if this team has a clear direction right now. Like you were saying too about not not making a knee jerk reaction on Bo Naylor and all those kind of things. I just don't know if this team like has any direction for the 2023. Obviously, they're still a really young team and they're really banking on you know Andre Semenes continuing to be a part of their future because they already gave him that contract. He had a home run on, on here on Thursday. But you know, you're you got the three rookie pitchers up. You have to give them a break. That's good. You've got your rotation built for the future. It seems like you've got your catcher of the future, hopefully, but like you're wasting another year of Jose Ramirez. Where are you going with Shane Bieber this year? Are you, he's certainly not going to be here next year. So it's like, I feel like the rudder is just kind of spinning in circles. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where they're going right now. And I, I don't know where they're, I think go they, they're trying to uh, take advantage of a weak conference. And they know that once you make the postseason. It's a crapshoot. So I think they're just they're running that because let's be honest, the I think the thing that's kind of over all of this and the what's happening is this is a team that's being sold. And when those happen, teams don't take on salaries. They don't take on big contracts, even though they have added a uh, big contract in Andres. Uh, but relative to all things, it's like until that is like completed and signed and we have official word, which I don't think we really have. Have we had the official release? You know, it's like, I, maybe I'm forgetting it, but, you know, until that stuff happens, they're kind of stuck in that neutral land. You know, that's that's the way of it. Everyone's going to keep doing their job, hopefully, so they can keep their job, but I don't think we're going to see anything too big. And, you know, they, they had a good team last year. It's, it's the problem that everyone who had an issue or had a chance to regress, regressed. And it wasn't just like one or it wasn't just like, you know, just Andres came down to earth or just Quan or just Oscar Gonzalez, all of them. I will say this homestand, Quan has been much better. He's had a couple multi-hit games in this homestand. I think his his uh, OBP is back to like the 340 range because he has been collecting like two and three hits per game against Atlanta. He was really good. Uh, you know, I think he had a hit the other, or I don't know if he has a hit tonight, but yeah, his OBP is back to 360, it's 344. So that's good. Three, four, three, thirty-four percent is what you can take from your leadoff yeah. hitter. He's, he's got no a no for tonight, so we'll that'll come down then. Yeah, yeah. but I mean the, the fact that he's finally yeah he's up to. Pitching. I mean, coming into the day, he was at a ninety-eight weighted runs created plus. He was almost average. Yeah, did he? I mean, I don't know. Maybe he'll settle in around the one hundred five, one ten mark someday. He's good. He should have more steals this year than he did a year ago. For all the complaints about, I mean, I he only had nineteen last year, and he's got fourteen this year, so he's on pace to get well past last year but he he had seven in april well okay like most of the rest of the guardians seven in april and then it's slowed down they've run a little bit more in july so i i don't know i just think that this is gonna i feel like they're this year they're having the year we thought they would have last year with all these rookies coming up and just kind of having a young team i thought this is how they would be last year and then it would be last year would be out play out this year but it's been the reverse which again things are not linear so Things things happen on their own timeline. They never happen on the expected timeline. The best you can do is try to put your team in the best position to compete. And you know the Guardians continue. They're they're going to finish around five hundred, maybe a little bit above. Maybe they get super hot in the second half and and things turn around and they end up with eighty five plus wins. I don't know. Uh, I can probably bet they won't finish in the top ten of the draft for next year or or have a chance to be in the top ten of the lottery. I think okay. it's all teams that don't make the playoffs. You don't even need to be in the top ten. You just need to not make the playoffs. No, but I mean they won't have they won't have strong odds to get higher in the draft next year. I, I can I yeah. don't think they will. I don't think they'll they'll flounder to that point in the second half. But 
So look at Trinity to try to thread the needle by picking in the you know late teens to mid twenties every year and not get top tier talent, but continue to try to, to compete while drafting lower in the first round every year. So we'll talk about that. We're going to get heavy into the draft the rest of today's show when we come back. Guardians of Royals play game two of their series Friday night. If you want to tune in and listen to the broadcast, you can search Guardians on your Sirius XM app. All right, Jeff, lead the way. Where do you want to go? I can I can talk about probably the top 100 guys-ish, but you tell me where you want to go. We do have some questions tonight about the draft. Yeah, I'd say we just start throwing the questions since we went for those. And, uh, I'll, you know, I'll just kind of let me go to the beginning of these questions and throw some at you. We debated going live, but here's the, the problem with going live. Uh, it's it's a little bit of additional work, and then it's no pay at all unless we can get a hundred people listening at once. So, uh, if you'd be one of the hundred who would join us, you know, just make sure you comment below. Uh, so, having said that, I think um, you know the first one from uh, M Mahoney one fifty seven. Are you ready for a Brock party? Being that, who are two candidates to? I love that in the first party in the first round. I you know it's like I was digging more and more on Brock today, and it's kind of moving him down my board a little. And as much as I do think he has a lot of traits that fit them, at the end of the day, the swing and the miss is maybe his biggest concern. It's the same reason that, like, I really like Namala, but Namala has a lot of that as well. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like the guy I have talked about before, who is the under underslot guy to watch, is Travis Honeyman, who fits a lot of their uh, their model fits. Uh, more and more, I don't know. It's like they never take the guy I want them to take. So I'm just kind of setting up and waiting for Kevin McGonagall or, you know, like I like Travis Honeyman. Uh, I wouldn't like, I like him more than most. I, I don't think it's going to be um, one of the guys I want. Cause it's never one of the guys I want. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, who, who are the guys that I'm not as high on? Like it's going to be Cade Kuehler who has a bad, people are very worried about that injury. Cooper Pratt, who I'm not as big on. It's like, yeah. let me go find the list of guys that I am not as high on, and it's going to be one of them. Yeah, Honeyman could be interesting. I think my question, though, is, it, it depends on how the draft plays out. Like, I have some questions about Honeyman's total upside because we just haven't seen a lot of it. The data is interesting. I just think the ceiling might be a little bit low. I, I would say Chase DeLauder was probably one of the couple guys you wanted to see last year. Yeah, right? was, he was third on my board last year. Like, right. So I, that's still a guy. I think you could say you, you know, I wanted him. I didn't, I don't know if he's my first choice, but he was one of the guys I wanted. I think if he is like that high on your board, then I think you could say that. I mean, it's still a good, a good gamble, I guess. It's just, it's, it is a gamble, but no, I, I agree with you on Wilkin. I keep thinking it's hard to, given how the guardians have drafted over the last several years, it's hard to peg them as taking a corner guy. They just don't take corners that high. And like taking a one where contact is the big issue. Yeah, Chase Slaughter did not strike out, and to be fair, Wilkins struck walked more than he struck out his last year at Wake Forest, junior year at Wake Forest. I was looking at the data earlier, so the weird thing for him is his Cape data was really good his first year. His second, he he played for the Cape his second summer, and it wasn't as good. So I don't know how to take that. And he played a lot the first year. It wasn't like it was like ten games his first year in the Cape. It was, and he was the MVP of, of the Cape that year. That's yeah. That's so and that was the year that Chase Slaughter was really good on the Cape. So the upside is. If they spent a lot of time watching Chase, there's no way they didn't leave at least kind of impressed with Brock. I and I don't think it's that. Like I feel like they have pushed their limits control wise with some pitchers. So I wonder if they would do the same thing with hitters if they're special enough. Mm -hmm. I don't know if Brock is special. We talked about that ballpark a little bit. 
I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, they don't take like Chase Slaughter is a corner outfielder, but a corner outfield is a lot, a lot different than a first base, third baseman. You know what I mean? In terms of uh, positional value, that's, that's the uh, hard part for me to get over. I, yeah. I definitely want Brock Wilkin, but it's hard. It's, it's hard to see them going that route in the first round. The last time it took a, who was the last corner quote unquote corner bat they took in the first round of the infield? Was it Lonnie? No, Lonnie was a shortstop. He was a shortstop at South Carolina and at his Juco before. Um, I'll find that. But uh, Corey let... Smith. <laughs> Corey Smith was a shortstop in high school as well. That's the thing. When you're going with those those young uh, kids, they're often um, shortstops. Uh, while I pulled that up, why don't I throw our next question uh, from Caleb Gno One, non guards related? But what's it? like to not want to spend at times how upset would you be if you're a pirates fan if you pass on skiing and cruise because you want to pay the signing bonus i don't think it's that case like i'd be very upset like i think the arizona fans still have a right to be pissed off at dave stewart for not being a million under cap the year that they had first overall pick and they took dancy swanson they didn't spend they didn't spend their whole pool like that to me is still the most um you know lots of swear words things i've seen but like if the pirates who went their slot for henry davis they use that money to get go out and buy themselves a whole bunch of guys. And so for me, I think that that is more what we're likely to see. Uh, I don't think it's about cheapness. It's that maybe they believe in their, um, their data on some other guys. And I'll say this, I had Henry Davis, number one in that class. I think if you pass on skeins and cruise your any to lesser degree Langford, if you don't take one of those three, you're making a bad choice. There's no way they're not taking one of those three. There's yeah, no I way. Think it's, I think it's smoke from agents. Everything you're hearing right now is from agents. Agents trying to get their names up. I, it's And the interesting thing is, always, oh, they're going to take Max Clark because he's cheaper. Now, Max Clark's still going to be expensive, but Max Clark is also the guy who was in the quote-unquote top five who we're seeing not in the quote-unquote top five as much right now. And that's, you know, yeah, he's a little undersized. He doesn't have the elite power. So I think, you know, you're seeing a reaction. I don't think that's the truth. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to take Zach's question? The rank your favorite sure. targets at 23. So he ranks, he asked about uh, Chase Davis, Colton Emerson, Arjun Namala, Brock Wilkin, and Hurston Waldrip. I'll let you go first. You do you want to rank those guys? Yeah. In terms uh, Namala- of, you want to rank them in terms of you like them or the odds that the Guardians are going to, I guess he said uh, your guys' favorite. Yeah, I'm going to put them in terms of what, what I like. Uh, and, and darn the rest of it. So for me, it's Namala's one. He's the only guy in there. It's in my top 10. Uh, right now, I'm still kind of debating this, but I'm tempted to go. I, for me, like Davis, Wilkin, and Waldrip are all about the same range. Like those three are all going to be like within one or two spots of each other. I'm kind of leaning towards Wilkin, then Davis, then Waldrip, uh, and with Emerson being kind of a, a distant five. Again, not a knock on him, but he's like 30th on my board. Everyone else in that is the teens. That's fair. I, I'm definitely number one, Namala, for sure. I think the exit velocities are really good there. The yeah. ability to say it short is going to be there. And he has a chance to be. His are really good if you look on perfect game. Yeah. Like, compared he, to most of those high school kids, it's a really good swing efficiency. And he is young for the class, too, which you know helps a lot of different ways, too. Uh, um, Bo Mills was the last corner guy they drafted. Him and Michael Aubrey. Um, was and then Matt, Bo Mills Matt, not a... A shortstop in college? Was he a third what? baseman? Who? What did Bo Nels play in college? He was a first baseman, DH. Oh, okay. Uh, in college. No, he was a first baseman. Now they list Lonnie Chisenhall. He was not a third. He was drafted as a shortstop. I remember watching yeah. that. And Clint Frazier gets listed as a third baseman on here, which is weird. He did. He was a third baseman slash outfielder, a little bit more of an outfielder. It is. It's. It's. Uh, Bo Mills, Michael Aubrey, and then Matt Whitney are your last three guys who were legitimate corner guys. 
Yeah, well, there's your track record. And, and if you go before that, you want the five most recent, then you add Danny Peoples and David Miller. So it, that inspires confidence. Yeah. I, I, hey, there's a reason that they that a lot of teams value up the middle. It's not just the Guardians. It's it's just a different way of evaluating what their offensive potential is, not necessarily the defensive spectrum. So that's why Namala makes a lot of sense. I, I, I don't want to knock Emerson. Like He might end up being a nice player. It's just... I think for the Guardians, it's just hard to see. And you're talking about a guy that might have, you know, at the end of the day, a, a season where he hits 20 homers. Projecting power is so hard from those kids. Like he, like I know I'm, I'm saying Amala has high exit velocities, but we haven't heard any of that about Emerson. We're talking about a, a contact tool from Emerson. It sounds a lot like the guys they already have. Um, I, I would be tempted to put Waldrop second just because he seems like a guy the guardians could really do well with. He has a bad fastball, even though it, it's, you know, it can reach a hundred. I have a lot of confidence in this organization being able to work with that. He has the split change, which is fantastic. Yeah. That splitter um, is like maybe the best pitch in the entire draft. Yeah. And you know, he, he could be there at 23. I think he goes a little bit higher, but that's a chance you could take. Uh, although I, I am, I am a little bit against taking college pitchers in the first round for the guardians because like, I feel like Gavin Williams was kind of a slam dunk and, Maybe Waldrop could be too because they think he wouldn't be there. I didn't think Gavin Williams would be there either. So, but you know they're so good at developing college pitchers later in the draft. So I might go Chase. I might go Chase Davis or Wilkin. Namala one, Wilkin two, Chase Davis three, Waldrop four, Emerson five. I like Chase Davis a little bit, but I don't know. I just I'm kind of with Jeff. The Arizona thing just kind of scares me, and he didn't start really. And the Cape data approach. scares me. The Cape That's data is bad too. We get a. Yeah, the, the next question I saw is also from Caleb. What are the odds Waldrip slips? I'd say 50-50. And if he's there, it what is the absolute best case scenario Sunday? Absolute best case scenario, I don't see it happening. Matt, Matt Shaw. Yeah, yeah it's got to be Matt, Matt Shaw. Shaw. Uh, Gibby. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I know we're not taking all, all the mock drafts into, into a whole lot of seriousness, but I did see one mock draft that had um, Tommy Troy falling out of the first round which would be baffling to me. Yes. But I'd be, I'd be very interested in Tommy Troy at 23 as well. 100%. If somehow he fell. Yeah. Uh, I have right now on my big board, I have match off five, Tommy Troy seven, just to give you an idea. Namala yeah. is eight. So yeah, th those are guys that if they fall, like jump, jump for joy. Uh, next up, Gibby at guards nation. What is it? What is the player? What is the most likely player drafted first by the guards? And who do you think they should draft first? I'll tell you who it's not going to be. It's not going to be cold Emerson because everyone has him there and no one ever gets Cleveland's pick, right? Keith, did, Keith law did the last mock last, of the year. Like, yeah. But everyone else got, got it wrong. Tomorrow. And we'll see, you know, inside info and the like just doesn't come out of there very often. And I've had so many, I almost feel like they intentionally smoke screen. Like I have people DMing me often like, Hey, I've heard this guy. Oh, I've heard this guy. It almost feels like that whole thing where you tell five different people a lie to see which one is the one that gets reported. Um, That's right, yeah. You know, and then you find your leak that way, but it, it is interesting. I mean, who is more, I, I got to sit down and do a mock. So Gibby, sorry, you got to wait for a mock. I might do a mock draft on here or on my personal account. So make sure to follow that one. Um, I know you're not going to like it, but I, I wouldn't be surprised with Nolan Chanel. I would not. I just I think no, because he, he hit under 200 in the Cape. I don't see any way they go to a guy who hit under 200 in the Cape and is a first base left field only guy. He is not. Yeah. He is, he's not. I, I don't I don't see it. I would be shocked. That's what that way. That would be a legit shocker to me. That goes against everything they've done. Literally everything they have done. Yeah. There have been mocks out there saying they are interested. Again, now we don't know I, how much that I is think it's because they say yeah. it's 
they say he's an analytics guy because he put up big numbers. It like, and that's the BS of it all, right? Like he's, oh, he put up big numbers in a really bad conference. Like, is it really right. big numbers? Or and he didn't face. Performance? He didn't face any good pitchers when he had no. games against power yeah. five teams either. And that's that's the other thing. Like I got into an argument earlier this year about someone about Jacob Wilson, who I'm going to have like about 20th on my board uh, because he didn't hit for power while playing in a power park. And everyone's like, oh, but he played so well against power five. I'm like, yeah, but he faces the Tuesday pitcher. That's the fourth best starter. Like power five data yeah. is kind of a fake stat because most of these team guys from small conferences only face like the fourth best pitcher. It's not worth using. Uh, next question is from Miles Straw Truther Worldwide at BVH7098. Uh, is the James Grover the third a good target in comp round B? Uh, he does fit their style, but he is like a first baseman, uh, only. Yeah. He does not, you know, I, yeah, that's kind of his range. There's a chance with the bat speed, maybe you get to 20 home runs. He's a bad defender. Uh, I, you know, well, where's he gonna play? They and put him in third. That, the hope he... he could play there. I mean, like, I think the ideal is you're kind of hoping that he ends up at second. I think that was the hope, yeah. but he didn't really. He played third this year. He he's not a good athlete. His he's really slow. I don't, I just don't know what you do with him. Like, I thought I he'd like be better. I don't. I don't like that round. How about that? I like the player. Yeah. I don't like that round. If you could get him later, like, I'd be okay with it. Yeah, he feels like a four or five guy to me just because there's there's not a position. There's not good athletic data. He just hits yeah. and hits and hits. Um, so, yeah, I like him. I just don't like him there. He was a guy I kept expecting to be higher on during the process and then just kept moving down. Our buddy Arthur said possible overslot, underslot guys for the Guardians. I will say nobody overslot, right? Because they don't go no, overslot. They've right? never really gone overslot. Yeah. Do you think that the underslot guys could be a Joe Whitman or a Travis Honeyman we talked about? Sure, yeah. sure would be underslot. What about Joe Whitman as an underslot? I don't think he's – it how, is interesting. Like, is that why he is moving up boards a little bit more? I, I don't think he's actually a huge underslot guy, if I'm being honest, just because I think like people are like he's the top left-handed pitcher in this draft now. Like There are people who like him more than Thomas White, that he might be the top left in the entire draft. I, he might still be a little underslot, but I mean he is – solidly moving up boards was it i see mlb i just was curious i pulled them up they have him up to 37 which is not bad for a guy who wasn't ranked at the start of the year uh, i think you know you want a really under the radar guy mitch jeb in the first round yeah i oof. i mean i saw that... i saw i think it was joe doyle tweeting about him today and, and joe has his connections and it feels like if someone if he's jumping out about someone then he might have heard something about it from someone so i'll just well, throw that you out never know what Never, never mind. I'll, I'll save it. Ah, uh, no, I know, I know. You know, it, he's got really good speed, and there's, you know, just some some last minute talk about like contact rates and some EV data. I think was what I saw in that that he could do some things as well. Um, but yeah, here's my last thing on the draft. If you're if you're going into this draft expecting a certain type of player, or remember they're taking best they're taking the best player available on their board. They are managing their their uh, bonus pool to sign 21 players because they've signed every player in the draft mm -hmm. since the draft has been shortened. So expect them to sign all 21 players. They're going to manage their pool to spend, to spread it around. They're not going to go heavy on one player. There's no Cam Collier. They're going to go for and do something like that or what the Rangers did with Brock Porter last year. And remember the draft doesn't affect the team next year. Okay. Like even Tanner Bybee and Gavin Williams who were drafted in 2021, they flew through the system and they're up now. So, and it don't, you know, they're 
looking for power bats to solve this team's problem this year, you're going to be disappointed because they're not coming up next year. Bats especially don't get up that fast. And I saw someone else too saying that this franchise is cheap that in the drafts don't expect anything good. This team does spend the full pool every they year. They overspend. The only year they did not go to the very peak of spending for the draft was 2020. They were under they slot were, that year. That was the only year they have not. Every year they go all the way to the peak. And that's how you get someone like he was hurt last year and we haven't talked about much. But like Jake Miller was a guy they took in the 20th round in 21. who's an interesting arm. Tommy John, I believe. So we probably won't see him until late this year. But he's a really interesting arm. And by going all the way to the peak, getting that extra money, they got him in the 20th round. They do spend all their draft money usually. Yeah. And last, last year they were like within a couple of dollars of having to lose a draft pick because of the money spent. They didn't lose it. They didn't lose a draft pick, but they came as close as you can get without. Yes. Uh, losing and they money. do that every year. They do spend money in the draft. It's just a question of do they spend it right? Just like free agency and Josh Bell and Mike Sedino. Spending money isn't really the issue. I feel like in this case, it's just are you spending it wisely? No, I just saw someone tweeting and there's a, a Rays fan about like Kyle Manzardo is better than Yandi, so they have to trade Yandi. And I'm like, Guardians, go, go, <laughs> go, go, oh, go, go, go now, now, now. Can we trade Bieber for Yandi? I will do that one. Can we get that done? Would you say no to that deal? Would you say no to that deal in the comments below? Let's let's leave them with that as so we don't have 40 minutes. But something to think about. It probably won't happen. But I want to thank you all for all you do as being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. We'll have more information on draft night as we'll have some streams occurring and podcasts. Thank you and go, go, Guardians, go.